This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, I know that music. That's my music. Yes, it is ESPN New York Tonight. Had a couple of days off for the baseball playoffs, but we are on until midnight. Let's, as Larry Hardesty says, go to work. Yeah, off and running on this Thursday, October 12th. Hey there. Ready to roll on this edition of ESPN New York tonight. Larry on vacation this week, so uh, flying solo for this Thursday edition. Of course, the number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. You can find me on Twitter, on uh, Instagram, at Gordon Damer, on TikTok, at Old Man Radio. But most importantly, you can find me right here on your radio until midnight tonight, along with Harvey Cruz and Joe Leo. A little shortened show, but it's a Thursday night. So these are some of the stories that we'll be talking about with you until midnight tonight. It's week six in the NFL. Week six already. Giant fans are saying it's only week six. Oh, my God. We have how many more of this? No, but week six is underway. Someone might want to tell the Denver Broncos because whoever made the NFL schedule and decided on which teams we're playing in which prime time slot? Now, Thursdays are always a bit sketchy. They're always a bit fugazi. But it feels like every single primetime game absolutely stinks. And tonight's is no different. The Chiefs taking on the Broncos in Kansas City. Who was the play? Was it Red Grange who decided, who realized at some point that he, he the game had passed him by and he got tackled from behind. He just put the football down on the field and just walked off the field. I think it was Red Grange. Maybe it wasn't. Whoever that person was, I would understand that the Denver Broncos at this point pulled a Red Grange and just put the football down on the field and just walked off the field. There's no point. What are we doing? What are we doing? We forfeit. We give up. And 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 I don't know how many more primetime games or spotlight games the Broncos got. Can't have many more. If they did that, and they, even if they have, even that they saved us from one kind of spotlight game—a Thursday, a Sunday night, a Monday night game—they should be voted Sportsman of the Year for allowing us to avoid another Denver Bronco performance. They've been that bad. It's only sixteen nothing. It feels like it's six hundred. It feels like the Broncos have absolutely no chance. Russell Wilson in the first half—I think he had seven passing yards. I, I'm not even joking. It's not even like—it's that bad. It's that I'm thinking about canceling my Prime membership just so I can avoid watching it anymore. It's it's painful. It's painful to watch, mostly because I stayed away from the Chiefs uh, minus the ten and a half. What was I thinking? Well, it's a division game. Those are usually close. Stupid, stupid, stupid. But Week Six is underway in the NFL, so we'll be taking a look at the Jets and the Giants tonight. We're going to talk with Rich Semini coming up at uh, ten forty-five. We're going to talk a little, uh, of course, it's a Thursday, so we go behind enemy lines. We'll be talking with uh, Tim Graham, who covers the Bills for the Athletic as they get ready to take on the Giants this week. Ooh, boy, that should be a barn burner. We'll also uh, be talking with uh, Chris Franklin. He covers the Eagles as they get set to face off against the Jets. Chris uh, covers the Eagles for NJ Advanced Media, so we'll be talking to him in the 11 o'clock hour. So big football show tonight as uh, week six is underway. In the NFL, 1-800-919-ESPN is the uh, telephone number, 1-800-919-3776. And and look, I have not been on since Saturday. We've not done the show because of the baseball playoffs. Oh, yeah, the baseball playoffs. I'm telling you, week six is underway. Bring the music back. 
I forgot about the baseball. I'm so focused on this stupid Chiefs-Broncos game. Week six is underway. The Braves' playoff run is just about done. I don't know if it was even a playoff walk. Phillies lead the Braves 3-1. And, and by the way, well, maybe we'll get more into this on Saturday. Whenever the playoffs, throughout the baseball season, you always hear the same dreck. Well, it's okay to hit these home runs during the regular season, but when the playoffs start, you're not going to be able to hit these home runs. You're going to have to manufacture runs. You're going to have to get a single and steal a base and then get a sack fly and then bunt the guy. Nonsense. And these playoffs, like last year's playoffs, like the year before those playoffs, every single year, now more than ever, we see that absolutely home runs decide playoff games. They decide playoff series. Day in, day out, game in, game out. I ran the math. Tonight's Phillies-Braves game is the 17th playoff game this year. There are three so far where both teams had the same number of home runs, either no home runs or one home run. So cancel those three out. Of the remaining 14 playoff games, you know how many games you won if you got out homered? One. One team has won a playoff game when the other team has hit more home runs. And in, in almost all of these games, teams are hitting home runs. So yes, you have... Now, you would like to have some diversity of your offense, but this idea that I hear all the time, it's so moronic and it's so easily proven wrong if this this game holds at this 3-1 you'll be talking what you're 13 and 1 if you out homer the other team i don't know that seems like a pretty good uh, a pretty good way to go now would you like to have some diversity of your out yeah sure it would be nice but we see game in and game out yes you absolutely need to hit home runs to win in the playoffs they decide playoff games and will do so again tonight as the Phillies try to close out the uh, Braves. And what a disaster. Oh, what a disaster of a season it is for the Braves. Great regular season one. They won 104 games. And I know other teams had really good regular seasons and get knocked out. That's been the story of the playoffs so far. The Orioles, obviously, the big story. But the Braves were the team to beat. They were the... They were the the juggernaut, right? They were the team that everybody was looking at. If you, if you had one team against the field, the Braves were the team. And and again, uh, the Phillies taking them down and trying to close them out in Philadelphia. So they are rolling there 3-1 again as they play in the seventh inning. All right, now we can get rid of the music. <clears throat> because uh, we've been talking, uh, you know, want to get into some football stuff. As I said, we're going to talk with, uh, with Rich Semini a little bit later this hour. Chris Franklin as well as Tim Graham in the 11 o'clock hour, and certainly want to hear from you at 1-800-919-ESPN, the telephone number. But I've not been on since Saturday, and I've not gotten a chance to react from last week's games and, and what we're looking ahead to, to this week's games. But I guess, uh, first off, but would be my reaction to the Jets. The Jets went out on Sunday and beat the Broncos. And what did we all say? As we were sitting here on Saturday, and we were getting ready for that game, that's the game. There's absolutely no reason why the Jets wouldn't win that game. 
the Broncos, as evidence again tonight, anytime you flip on the TV, the Broncos are one of the worst teams in the sport. So that was a much-needed win. There was absolutely no way the Jets could lose that game and salvage their season, so they got the win. A nice revenge spot for Nathaniel Hackett. All that good. You get to two and three, and you avoid... It's only one game, but there's a big difference between two and three and one and four. One and four, you're spiraling, especially because one came the first week of the season was kind of a, a fluky win with everything that happened that night. But you get to two and three, and it kind of solidifies things. At least there's some hope. At least there's something that's still left to play for. At one and four, you're, you're, you're looking ahead to the draft. You realize this season is, is, is going by the wayside. But I got to be honest to you, the reaction to that win and I will grant you, yes, two and three, way better than one and four. Two and three, you still, it's still to be decided. At one and four, it feels like the season's already decided. But the reaction to that win and the reaction to, to Zach Wilson's performance in that game, I got to be honest with you, I don't know what the hell any of you are looking at. Yes, the Jets beat the Broncos, good. And two and three is, is, is a whole lot better than one and four. But there was absolute have – you, have you seen what the Broncos have done this year? Have, have, has anybody been paying attention? They're all-time bad. All-time bad. Not just like all-time bad this season. All-time bad of all time. They're like dead last in just about every defensive metric. They're coming up with new defensive metrics just to be able to describe how bad the Denver Broncos defense is. And it ain't like their offense – is uh, setting any speed records there either. So going into that game uh, against Denver, the the question, yeah, I I guess there was a question, Can you you have to win this game and and at least salvage your season. But the real question was, coming off the the Kansas City Chief game was, was that the out, was all of a sudden that performance by Zach Wilson, was that a breakthrough? Was that real? Was it just a one-time fluky thing? Or was he going to be able to take that performance and build on it. And it's clear he did not. In the game against the Chiefs, he looked like a real live quarterback. He was like a real life boy. He was like a real life quarterback, making throws, tight throws, making plays with his legs, accurate, decisive. Unlike we had ever seen him really in any long period of time in his career. Like, maybe you would have a throw here or there or a little splash play here or there, but not consistently like he did in the Kansas City game. Now, again, it wasn't the whole Kansas City game, but still, it was something. And it was more than you've had at really any point uh, with Zach Wilson. So that's why it kind of stood out. And you wanted to see, okay, well, he was able to do that against the Chiefs, who have a pretty good defense. Will he be able to build on that? And I, I don't know how anybody could look at what he did against Denver and think that he built on what he did against Kansas City. He was back to typical Zach Wilson. And yet the headline, I don't know. Maybe it's because we just have nothing going on here. Football, it seems like the football season is already decided and people are just delusional at this point. These are actual headlines from actual stories in the media in the past week from when the Jets Beat the Broncos. Jets ending playoff drought doesn't look impossible anymore. Zach Wilson had plenty to celebrate against Denver. Week five, Zach Wilson did everything asked of him. 
Jets suddenly have real hope again. That was all, I think all, all, all those were from the post. Sports Illustrated, there's real hope for Zach Wilson and the Jets. Is Zach Wilson here to stay? He proved his Chiefs performance was not a fluke. Did people watch the game? What are you talking about? He threw for 200 yards. He completely botched the end of the first half. The biggest miracle of that win against Denver was that that, 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 that play, that sequence of plays at the end of the half where they didn't get the field goal, that it didn't come back to haunt the Jets is, is a minor miracle. They should have a 30 for 30 on the fact that that didn't come back to haunt the Jets because that's typical what comes back to haunt the Jets. He botched the end of the first half. He fumbled three times in the game. Now he got them back, but still, they did happen. And he had what was a pretty key interception, and he got sacked four times by the Broncos. Well, they won. They won the game. Okay. They were playing one of the worst teams and by far the worst defense in basically the history of defense. If you came out of that game and you're Prozac, I think you might be on Prozac. I I don't know how else to describe it. And every week it's something. And, And this is mostly the media, but Jet fans play into this too. Every week with the Jets it's something. And it's, you sound ridiculous. You got to stop. I mean, from before the season with the 85 Bears and then the season starts, go get Kirk Cousins. Now it's, a, what is it, Aaron Rodgers going to be back week 12. Zach Wilson looked good against Denver. I, they, they can beat the Eagles. Guys, you sound ridiculous. You sound absolutely ridiculous. So if you went into that game just looking to get a win, and, and, and I can understand that, right? You're just trying to find something. You're, 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 you fell out of the boat. You're, you're on the rapids by yourself, and you're just roaring down the rapids, and you can see up ahead is Niagara Falls, and you're about to go over the falls, and, and, and the season feels like it's lost, and you're just looking for something to cling to, a branch on the side of the, of the river, something, a rock to, to hold on to until, until, until somebody can come and rescue you, something. So you got a win, and you hadn't had a win in a basically a month? Okay, fine. I get it. But to take a look at that performance, to be coming off the Chief game, and then to go into that Bronco game and think, oh, no, this is exactly what I was hoping Zach Wilson would do again. That was back to the old Zach Wilson. That was not a, that was not, hey, this is the evidence that he can play against Kansas City. And then here's more evidence that he can play because he did this against Denver. He was not good. Now, the team was good enough, and mostly the Broncos were bad enough. But you did not win that game because of Zach Wilson. And yet the reaction, oh, the Jets, the playoffs are not. He did everything asked of him. Every, what was asked of him was nothing at, don't ruin the game. Don't single-handedly lose the game by yourself. Was that all that was asked of him? Are we, are we just so, do we just have so much PT or, 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 or uh, is it PTSD or is it survivor syndrome? Whatever it is that we're just so beaten down looking for something to, to, to highlight that we're willing to take anything and, and anything. And maybe, maybe this is the offshoot of the Jets' overly positive reaction to Zach Wilson that now we're now catching. 
It's like a disease. Losing is a disease from the natural. Apparently, delusion is a disease. Because if you watch that game and you really watch Zach Wilson, did he, did he lose the game? No, he did not lose the game single-handedly. Great. But to think coming off that Chief game that he solidified the Chief performance by what he did in the Denver Bronco game, I, I think you're absolutely delusional. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number, 1-800-919-3776. Coming up, we will get to uh, some of your jet phone calls because I know people are, are, are fired up about the Oh, Zach Wilson, get that bandwagon ready. And then you have the Giants. The Giants are very interesting because they are able to... Br- I like to think that I bring people together. The New York Giants bring people together. And I'll describe how they do that coming up next. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Because they put the Broncos in these, these spots like Thursday night football, so it's the only thing you can watch, they should make this game continue until the Broncos score a point. Because I don't feel like the Broncos have been remotely close to scoring a point this entire game. It's almost like the Chiefs have, have kind of taken a – this is almost like a, a pro-am or something. Like, they haven't even taken the game – it doesn't feel like all that seriously. 16 nothing as they play in the fourth quarter. It cannot be over soon enough. Also, I think that there should be – like a let me uh, Harvey and Joe tell me what you think about this idea. There should be like an NFL like tribunal to deti- de- uh, to determine or decide which players get to wear single digits. Like single digits should be an honor. Like it shouldn't be everybody who wants to wear single digits gets to wear single digits. It should be that you you, you petition the court to see if you're allowed to wear it. Feels like like there's certain teams that have way too many guys with single digits. Like the Cleveland Browns have like five guys with single digits. That they're not good enough to have five guys with single digits. And I think right now that Russell Wilson, even though he's a quarterback, so it's not unusual for them to have a single digit, he almost has to like move to like triple digits. What's the criteria then? You have to be a good player. You have to be a, 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 a star enough player that your your name is easily recognizable to football fans. You can't just be Joe Schmo and wear number six. So you have to make a Pro Bowl, even though that's basically flag football at this point, within the, what, yeah. last two years? Um, well, maybe, yeah. I, I, look, it's a tribunal. So maybe you have, like, three people on the, on the panel, and uh, they get to decide based on whatever criteria they feel is. Uh, but they have to have the NFL's best interest at heart. Because there's way that it just it's too many guys with single digits. So if you're made to be commissioner for a day, this is what you're handing down. Well, I mean, it would be a start. It would be a start. Uh, the first one I would hand down is all replays from this point forward are 60 seconds. If you can't decide in 60 seconds, it's not egregious. You're moving on. That's my first rule. I'll These make an addendum to that. It takes seven minutes. They're watching it. They're going back and forth. Maybe it's here. Maybe it, no. You got 60 seconds, get it done. Because again, that's why you brought in replay. It was not to get every call correct. It was to fix the egregious call. So that would be my first rule. But I would like to see an NFL tribunal. You would have to make that rule full speed, no? The replay rule? No, like slow motion at like 500 no, you frames can, a you second? Can watch it. You can watch, I mean, you can watch a bunch of replays in 60 seconds. Slow motion replays. 
You can again. It's supposed to be the thing where you figure it out right away. It's it's obvious. That's what it's supposed to fix. But we've gotten so used to them trying to fix everything that you expect perfectly officiated games where every call is right 100% of the time and they've kind of taken their eye off the prize where they're trying to do too much so sometimes once in a while egregious plays still get through you don't like it that's fair enough let's go to the phones 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number 1-800-919-3776 coming up in a little bit we're going to talk to uh, Rich Savini Joe uh, no Joe Jose in Brooklyn. Jose, you're up on ESPN New York tonight. Hey, good evening, Gordon. Shout out to the company. Definitely wanted to ask a question. Like, you know, when you're talking about, you know, these Jet fans saying these things, like, are you talking about people who are calling in on this station or another station or people on TV? Because I'm a little perplexed because I'm like, I... I have yet to hear someone say Zach Wilson has now, you know, figured it out and is now going to get started rolling and we're going to make the playoffs. I don't know. Jose, I gave you – these are actual NFL headlines. A lot of them (laughs) are from the Post, from Sports Illustrated, from other blogs and stuff like that from Uh, around the Internet. This is a a collection. You you know – you know how that business works. They're just but, trying to grab uh, look, but People aren't going out of their way to, to directly lie. I mean, they, uh, this is what they – these are actual headlines. Jets ending playoff drought all of a sudden doesn't look so impossible anymore. Jose, thanks for the phone call because we've got to get rolling here. Um, these are actual headlines from, from the past week. And I'm looking at them, and, I'm, and it's the old thing where, oh, well, the, the writer doesn't write the headlines. Sometimes the stories were worse. It's like delusional. It's delusional time. I don't know. I, I did not, and I, and I was impressed by Zach Wilson against the Chiefs, but to go out there and then watch the Bronco performance, that's what I was looking to see. The win to me was almost like a foregone conclusion. I expect you to go beat the Broncos. I wanted to see whether or not Zach Wilson could build. Would he look like the same guy as he did against the Chiefs? And he absolutely did not. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Just checking out the uh, the baseball game moments ago, Bryce Harper just uh, had a collision play at first base. He was in the field, and Matt Olson kind of brushed past him as he as he went by trying to, to beat out a hit. And it looked like, uh, was it Harper's elbow or his arm? Uh, so we'll keep an eye on that. Phillies lead the Braves 3-1 as they now head to the uh, bottom of the eighth inning there. But talking a little Jets football, no one better to talk with it uh, about the Jets than, of course, Rich Samini, who covers the Jets for us here at ESPN and the Flight Deck podcast as well. Rich, thanks for uh, giving us a couple of minutes tonight. Hey, Gordon. Good to be with you. All right. So, I, you know, I, I opened up with talking about we've not been on here the last couple of nights. So uh, how do you evaluate Zach Wilson's performance against the Broncos? Well, uh, you know, pretty conservative game plan this week. Obviously, they had Brees Hall working, so they featured the ground game. 22 carries for Brees Hall, of course, not on that pitch count anymore. So they really didn't need a, a whole lot out of the quarterback position. I thought he, uh, you know, had to mismanage the clock clearly at the end yep. of the first half, so it probably cost them three points there. And had another costly late turnover. I mean, you saw it in the Kansas City game a couple of weeks ago, and then you saw it again with the interception this week. But for the most part, I thought it was 
it was a winning performance. I don't think it was as good as his Kansas City performance. And he did hit a couple of big third downs toward the end. That throw to Conklin was outstanding. The one where he went for 37 yards and dragged uh, half the, mm-hmm. well, half the Bavaro, Denver actually. defense. for. Yeah, it was very close to Bavaro. And uh, actually, Nathaniel Hackett was talking about that play today when we were talking to Hackett. And he said, and this kind of perked me up a little bit, he said that was one of the best, actually it was the way exact words, one of the most perfect plays he's ever witnessed. And I was like, what? You know, and it wasn't just the play at the end with Conklin. It was a really good read by Wilson on that play, a really good route by Conklin on a double move and an excellent throw. And, of course, you know, just the incredible show of uh, determination at the end to carry those guys. So, yeah, Hackett said it was one of the best plays he's ever seen. So, uh, so for Wilson, it, it was – it was a solid, you know, it was like a B minus type performance. You know, clearly there's room to improve, but it was enough to get a win. All right. So this week they get the Eagles. It has to be, I don't know if it's a really a rivalry. Or I guess it's a streak. It has to be one of the weirdest things in, in NFL history that the Jets have never beaten the Eagles. I know they don't play them that often, but still 12 straight games, you know, 12 games. They've lost all of them. Um, how many of them have you been covering the Jets for? It has to be quite a few, right? Uh, that's a good one. You know, it's funny. I have actually uh, a story that will be posted tomorrow on ESPN.com about that very, uh, as you so aptly put it, like one of the more bizarre streaks in NFL history. And you just don't see it. And you can't call it a rivalry. Right. They played, the first time they played was in 1973. So this is 50 years They've been playing. They've only played 12 times in 50 years. Actually, this week I talked to Al Woodall, who was the quarterback in that first game in 1973, and I thought that was uh, pretty interesting. The Jets had a lead in that game, and they blew it, which we've seen a few times in this rivalry. Uh, Some of your older Jets fans listening will remember in 1993, they had a big lead against the Eagles with Boomer Esiason and that that, uh, gang. And they blew that game. That was, of course, the Eric inter- Eric Allen had that amazing interception return for Philadelphia, 94 yards. And I talked to Eric Allen today about uh, about that play and about the rivalry. And so it's a weird one for sure, Gordon, because um, there's only two other instances in the NFL where a team is undefeated against another team. And Philadelphia is five and zero against Houston. And Minnesota, I think, is six and zero against Houston, but no one is close to twelve and zero, which is where it stands now. And I asked some players about it in the locker room this week, and they didn't even know about it. You know, most guys didn't had no idea right, that sure. there was that sort of streak. Yeah. Uh, just when it seemed like the the Jets' offensive line had maybe stabilized itself a little bit, you get the news this week uh, with the the injury to uh, Elijah Vera Tucker. Um, where does this leave them now, losing clearly their best offensive lineman? Yeah, I think this probably hasn't gotten enough attention this week. I mean, it was, of course, the, the initial shock when it happened on Monday. And he is, like you said, he's their best offensive lineman. And it's like wherever you put Vera Tucker, he was good. You know, whether it was right guard or right tackle, he was one of the, uh, in terms of pass-blocking analytics, he was one of the better tackles this year in the NFL. I think it was, you know, I think he was ranked in, like, top 15 or so. And so they they lose their best guy. 
and just a weird play. I don't know if you saw the play where it happened. He was just backpedaling on a pass in a pass blocking set, and it wasn't even a contact injury. I guess he just put his leg awkwardly as he was moving backwards, and, and he actually stayed in for the next play, incredibly, knowing that he probably popped his Achilles, he stayed in, and then went out after the next play. But I think Max Mitchell will probably start there this week at right tackle. He came in for Vera Tucker after the injury, so I think they'll roll with Mitchell. And, uh, you know, that I think uh, it's going to test their depth for sure. Mitchell's a guy who was inactive for the first couple of games this year. Did, couldn't even get dressed for the game. Had a very mediocre preseason. I don't think the coaches were thrilled the way Max Mitchell was playing in the preseason. But he's what he's he's their guy now. They're going to have to ride him uh, for at least, uh, well, after the bye week next week, then uh, Dwayne Brown is eligible to come back. So we'll have to see what they do then. We're talking with Rich Samini, of course, who covers the Jets for us here on ESPN. I was just going to ask you about Brown. How far away is he, is he like... I know he's eligible to come back, but is he healthy enough to come back, you think, after the bye? It might depend on how Max Mitchell does. <laughs> uh, because uh, look, I think Makai Becton's actually uh, had a really good game uh, against Denver. I, I was talking to Makai today, and he thought it was his best game of the year. Statistically, it was. And uh, so he's really settling into that left tackle position and so when Dwayne Brown is eligible, I, I don't know what the Jets plan to do. Um, Dwayne Brown cannot play right tackle. I mean, the guy's been in the league for 16 years, mm-hmm. never played right tackle. They're not going to put him there at age 38 for the first time. So uh, I, I think they'll probably keep Makai at left tackle and then just keep Dwayne Brown on the bench. But uh, we'll see how it goes. I mean, a lot will depend on how Max Mitchell does this week and he'll have his hands full with a very good uh, front for Philadelphia. Well, this past game uh, against Denver was the one where uh, it was kind of said that there was no more restrictions really on, on Brees Hall. Safe to say he came through that with flying colors, and and if they're going to do anything here, even this week, uh, it's safe to say he's going to have to be the engine. Yeah, I think this is their new identity on offense. I think all summer, all off season, the identity was going to be Aaron Rodgers, and they'd be throwing the ball a little bit more. And now they had to reinvent themselves. And, and you saw what they're capable of against Denver. I mean, he's not going to rush for 170 yards every week, but he does give them that uh, home run dimension, which no one else gives them on the team. And so they'll ride him. He said he felt great after the game. I think, uh, as Hackett noted today, uh, just his endurance uh, in, the, in the thin air of Denver, you know, to you know, to rush at 22 yards for 170 and go 70 yards on that touchdown was pretty impressive. And so, yeah, I think uh, they'll ride uh, Brees Hall, you know, for, the, for as long as they can. Yeah, uh, Philly, a very good run defense. They're, uh, I think they might be first in the league statistically in, in run defense. Found it interesting that Jalen Carter showed up on the injury report today out of Philadelphia, the uh, sensational rookie defensive tackle with an ankle injury, did not practice. So that's something to keep an eye on. But even without him, they have a really strong front. Rich, thanks for a few minutes, and I'm sure we'll talk to you next week. All right. Look forward to it. Thanks, Gordon. That is Rich Samini. Covers the Jets for us here on ESPN. The great uh, the Flight Deck podcast as well. Coming up, we go behind enemy lines. We'll talk a little Philadelphia Eagles with Chris Franklin of NJ Advanced Media next on ESPN New York Tonight.